Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio Network. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm a motivational speaker helping people to live positively with and through the challenges of life. I've had rheumatoid arthritis from my jaw to my toes since the age of five. That's 46 years now. And in that time, I've had four hips, four knees, and two shoulders replaced, which makes me sound like a spider. And I've been hospitalized about 40 times. I also stand about five foot one, hence the nickname Too Tall, and that's due to the heavy daily doses of the steroid prednisone that I took to fight my arthritis. Despite my physical challenges, I'm well known for always answering amazing when asked how I'm doing. I tell people 80% of the time it's true, and the other 20% of the time it's to remind myself that it's true. You can find out more about me and my radio show at my website. It's Tom, the number two and tall, T-A-L-L dot com. I have an amazingly special guest today. His name is Dilip Abesakaru. He gave it to me phonetically, and I wasn't able to say it fast. He, have you ever wondered about how you can live a more fulfilling life? Is there a way that any person can intentionally live a life that has significance both to themselves and to others? Come lean forward and turn the volume up so that we don't miss a word of my interview with Dilip. Uh, he's known by many, many as Dr. Dilip, and he's author of the highly acclaimed book, The Path of the Genie, Your Journey to Your Heart's Desire. I just read the book a few weeks ago, and I loved it, and I was impressed that Charlie Tremendous Jones wrote the foreword and a recommendation for the book. Uh, Dr. DeLip has been a speech coach, trainer, and keynote speaker for the past 22 years. He's president of Dr. DeLip LLC, and his mission and his associates is to help unleash their communication and performance potential. He has applied the very principles he talks about in his own life, he was a former industrial scientist, and he changed careers to become a coach, trainer, and professional speaker. He's spoken in almost every state in the U.S. and in nine other countries, and was twice a finalist at Toastmasters World Championship of Public Speaking. Uh, he went on to receive the coveted accredited speaker designation in recognition of outstanding speaking sp skills, and contributes to public speaking. In 2005 and 2006, he served as president of Toastmasters International, the world's largest volunteer organization devoted to helping people develop their communication and leadership skills, and an amazing organization, by the way. He serves as a strategic advisor to the president of Central Penn College, runs his coaching and training business, and is also working on completing a Master of Divinity degree to prepare him to apply his gifts to the development of clergy and lay leaders. Wow. Welcome to the show, Dilip. Thank you, Tom. My mom has a divinity degree, and so I am uh -huh. interested and impressed with this. Uh, so 22 years now you've been speaking uh, and teaching people to speak. That is the number one fear in the world. That must be quite an, uh, fun to help people overcome what is listed in every study as the number one fear. Yes, it's a tremendous feeling, and especially to watch people start from fear 
and then move towards confidence. Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful journey to observe as people tap into their own potential that they were not aware of. It is. So uh, now I've been in some of these Toastmasters group where someone starts and in the first week the ah counter counts like 42 ums in two minutes. <laughs> and a year or two later they're getting up there and they're talking and just mesmerizing an audience without a single um or an ah. And you're like, wow, right. is this the same person who said um every second word like just a year or two ago? Yes, then you understand the thrill that you feel. You say, the program works, the program works. The, the, what I have done differently is that I enable people to learn faster, accelerate their progress uh, through various techniques that I have developed. Uh, and so they don't have to wait two years to develop that confidence. And many of them are confident, people who come to me for coaching, but they want to do it even better. Uh, they know that, for example, that if they are to be promoted, they need to excel at a particular presentation that's coming up. Mm. Or they've been promoted to become a group leader, but they've never had the experience of leading a small group, and they don't know how to address that group. Or they are a small business owner, and they are going to try to win a contract and they're in a situation where they know they have to really excel in that situation or lose that job prospect. Mm -hmm. So various things like that come up where particular specialized coaching will help them. Exactly, and it's such a confidence booster when you know going into that situation that you have the skills to speak and and get your point across. Philip, let's talk about your book because you were gracious to send it to me a while back. I read it and finished it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I made a, a review on Amazon, loved it, and again, impressed. Charlie Tremendous Jones. First of all, I thought, well, Deloop must be very old. <laughs> but Charlie only did die like five years ago. So, <laughs> uh, But uh, t tell us about the path of the genie, what the book is all about, uh, who you wrote it for, and who could best benefit from it. Yeah, I wrote the path of the genie for people who wonder whether there is more to life than this. You know, people work very hard, people have dreams, some of them achieve them, they are unhappy. Some of them don't achieve them, they are unhappy. Or sometimes people just wonder, is life, is all this the end, or is there something more that I have missed? How can I feel fulfilled? Sometimes you find very successful people feeling that, Although they achieved what they wanted, they're not happy. Mm -hmm. And so I had noticed this, and in my own self, in a sense, this book is an autobiography of my, autobiography of my journey. I was, as you mentioned, I was a scientist in my previous career, but I began to wonder whether that's all there was to it. And so I have compiled something that I believe answers the question about fulfillment, Everybody wants to feel that they are more than the money they earn, they are more than the things they have, that they are, there's something special. Mm -hmm. And that's what I approach and help people understand mm -hmm. that, yeah, it's not really climbing the ladder 
sometimes the ladder, if it's placed on the wrong wall, will not give you <laughs> satisfaction. Right. It's exactly. asking some fundamental questions. That's what the book is about. Yes, and you're hitting on a key point. Napoleon Hill, of course, his number one success principle is definiteness of purpose. And I, once I figured out my God-given, I add the word God-given because yeah. uh, people can have a definite purpose that may be not uh, their God-given one. And so the one I have now, I feel if Jesus were sitting on the other side of my desk, uh, which would be very cool, uh, I think he would tell me the exact same thing I have written down. And when you find that definite purpose, as you said, I know a, a friend of mine, Savannah Ross, a very famous Canadian real estate investor, she made a lot of money, but it, she didn't really enjoy it at all. Then she went to a third uh, on a trip to Cuba, and then she went and saw the poverty around there, and she broke her heart. She came back to Canada. She did more real estate in a month than she'd ever done before, buying property and earning money, and she took it all down to Cuba and built houses, many houses. Every $10,000 she earned, it was a new house, so she like poured in, poured in. So even, as you say, you had a successful career. There are people that have success careers, different successes in life, but they're like, uh, I think God created me for more than this. And that is really what you get from the book. As you said, not a climbing the ladder, but uh, um, I thought it was a total life approach. It wasn't just focusing on any one area, but truly discovering your purpose and your plan, the one that God created you for. And boy, there's a lot of people that don't know that, isn't there? Tom, you said that brilliantly. Better than I said it. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. There is more to life than meets the eye, but I think it's helpful for us to just sit back and instead of racing forward towards some imagined promised land, ask ourselves some important questions like, who am I? Mm. And who am I supposed to be? What is my best self? What is the unique design that God has given me? Yes. Yes. And how yes. can I live so that my life makes a difference for others? Amen. Fundamental questions. Fundamental questions. And each of the chapters of your book had some really strong questions. Uh, boy, I, I spent time reviewing those questions. Uh, very thought-provoking. And so it kind of unravels for a person, perhaps as well, their own purpose as they get through the book and that's a tremendous tool uh, that people need now you're world renowned as a communications and public speaking expert uh, you could just do that executive coaching, mm -hmm. speech coaching uh, mm -hmm. why did you write a book about human fulfillment uh, when really as I said, come on Toastmasters International President and finalist twice, you could spend the rest of your life just doing the public speaking and communications. You know, that Tom, there's a very interesting uh, genesis to this book. Because when my kids were small, they invited me to watch a movie. It was the movie of Aladdin. And I thought, well, you know, okay, I'll spend some time with the kids. My wife needed a break. She was getting some private time. I sat down with the kids in the living room and we started watching this. 
And then very soon it dawned on me that this movie was not just for kids. <laughs> if I really saw beneath the veneer of that fun movie, I saw a lesson, a life lesson for all people. And so one of the, one of the curses of being, I call it a curse, but really it's a blessing of being a speaker and a writer is that you are always looking for speech material, right? right. Looking for material. And I suddenly realized, hey, you know what? There's a powerful message here. I grabbed a notebook and started scribbling notes as the movie went on. And when it had finished, I had an outline for what was to become my primary keynote speech. And I, it ended up being called the path of the genie <laughs> and and after a while people asked me where my book was you know they loved the speech yes but they said where's your book and i thought oh my gosh <laughs> i need to write this in book form and that's when i did more research and fleshed it out and wrote this book why did i write it instead of just focusing on speech coaching well, actually, it is communication. The highest form of communication, I believe, and Tom, I believe you will understand this considering all that you have faced in your life. The highest form of communication is to be quiet and listen to that still, small voice that leads you to discover the essence of your being. Yeah. And in Aladdin's story, I saw a young man who was trapped in a cave with everything that one's heart could desire, but he wasn't happy. Why? Because he was trapped in it. And I saw many people in our modern age who are surrounded by riches, who have everything they want, but who are trapped. I saw people who yearn to have what Aladdin had in that cave, and when they finally get there, they find it's a dead end. And I saw Aladdin's story as revealing something very important. It was communication of the highest order, where you ask yourself, how do I live a life of fulfillment? Not just happiness. Happiness, sometimes just, I compare that to the grass, which today is growing and tomorrow can be withered in the sun. Right. But fulfillment, I feel, is like a strong oak tree with roots going deep into the soil that is founded on something strong and everlasting and important. Mm -hmm. And that is that sense. I asked, how do you find fulfillment? And I saw Aladdin's story leading me towards it. I'll just give you one example. What did Aladdin do to... Uh, when, when he saw this old lamp, what's the first thing he did? If you watch that movie, you see he just kind of wipes it off, gets the dust off that lamp. Mm -hmm. Now, in doing that, he accidentally rubs it, and we know that, poof, the genie comes out who grants, grants him his wishes. But initially, he was just wiping the grime off that lamp. And it occurred to me, the reason we don't find our genies is because our lamps, our spirits, are full of grime, of mm -hmm. dust, the bitterness, the defeats, the anger, the jealousy, 
the unforgiveness, all those things that we put on our lamps, on our spirits, that dim their luster, and we don't even realize that there's a genie within. Wow. Yeah, so I thought, yeah, that, that's, that's clear. The first step is to just drop that baggage. Let it go. Yeah. Clean up the lamp. <laughs> that's right. Clean up the lamp. Shine the lamp. And then, of course, you know, the genie appears. And then, I, you know, I take people, the reader, through the different steps that Aladdin took. For example, for Aladdin to get out of that cave, he had to be humble and depend on a power that was greater than he was. Hmm. Right? He could not afford to be pr- proud, and he could not see himself as totally being able to do that. Mm-hmm. There was a power greater than he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Christians, it's easy. I can talk about the power of God. But for all people, regardless of whether they are Christians or not, I can say, look out and, and see and notice the riches the possibilities that people around you, the people you know, bring to your life. Mm-hmm. Have you taken the time to appreciate it? Have you taken the time to ask for help, to show your vulnerability, mm-hmm. and tap the strengths and riches of others, just as Aladdin had to when he had to lean on the power of the genie? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the first step I call is the station of humility. Yes. Yeah, and one of my favorite quotes is Charles Spurgeon's, the doorstep to the temple of wisdom is the knowledge of one's own ignorance. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Wow, that is a powerful one. And as a Christian, um, and with what I've gone through in life, uh, and to say amazing every time for 20-odd plus a lot of years, Mm. uh, sometimes... Only the strength of God can make that happen. And I am so always joyful that I don't have to rely on my own strength only because sometimes I get tired and I get negative too. But when I'm reminded that I'm built for a purpose and that I have the tools that I need. And as you said, another thing is speak up to people. There are many people that I've come across, depression, people with commit suicide, different problems that they didn't tell people about. And I, I don't know, maybe that's society. We all have to look perfect. But um, there are lots of people that would just love to hug you, help you, serve you, mm-hmm. bless you, give you whatever you need to help you with your challenge. And so you've got to open up. you got to open up. Yeah, exactly somebody. right. you got to find the wisdom in your own circle and open up. And maybe they have no way to solve your problem other than a ginormous hug and uh, keeping in touch and making sure you're good. But um, do that. It's good for you. And I used to not do that. I was very proud, never asked for help uh, until I learned later on that you're depriving someone of blessing you by helping. People love to help others, and if you don't let them do that, you're really depriving them of a blessing, and they get as much of a blessing helping you as you do being served by them. And so two important things. If you can know God and just sense his presence and know that 
excellent, I don't have to go through this alone. Uh, he will bring me through. And if you also can reach out, talk to the wisdom people in your community and who you have around you um, to, to really get some perspective on your challenge and your problems. Yeah, exactly right. Now, you and I are goal setters, and uh, we are in communities of goal setters, and uh, I think that most people, maybe they do not know their God-given definite purpose, but they have some sense of what they want in life. Maybe it's their own personal wants, but they have desires and goals and what they want to do in life. Um, What prevents them from achieving those goals because a high percentage of people um, do not. And many times they find, like I said with my friend Savannah Ross, all the riches they want, but they were she was totally unhappy until she came across such extreme poverty that her heart just broke and she felt, I got to just pour money into this. And recently she's buying a car and one she was buying an expensive one, and her son said, Mom, there's a one price like $40,000 less, and that's four houses we could build in uh, Cuba, I think is their country, that they build them. And she picked a lower-priced car because her 8-year-old son was reminding her that that upper-grade car is worth four houses. And so uh, they find what they want, but they're still unhappy. So two questions, I guess, out of that. What prevents them from getting those goals, and um, what happens when they're unhappy when they do get them? Right. Two great questions. And Actually, I believe that very often why they don't reach those goals is not because they're not capable of it. They don't reach those goals because they are somehow... It's only an intellectual exercise for them. They do not have an inner drive. The reason for that, I believe, and again I learned from my own life, is that somehow they were not passionate. They were not passionate about that. The second station in Aladdin's Path of the Genie is that he went through a process of self-discovery. I believe self-discovery is essential before one can really find fulfillment. To, to find yourself means to ask the fundamental questions such as, who am I? What are my unique gifts? What is the unique contribution I can make? To ask those questions, you're not asking, what's the job that can pay me the most? Hmm. You're not asking, how can I impress most people? You are asking a fundamental question of how you are designed. <clears throat> For me, um, this actually, I faced this question in 1989 when I was laid off from a job. I was a senior research chemist at a large chemical company. They underwent reorganization, and many engineers and scientists lost their jobs, and I was one of them. And that's the first time this has happened, and I was used to being successful at anything I tried my hand in. And it drove me to the question of, wow, who am I? I, I used to introduce myself as, hi, I'm Dilip Abhisekar. I'm a senior research chemist at such and such a company. Everyone knew the company immediately. 
they, there was a point of reference for people. Mm-hmm. But now I couldn't do that. And that's actually one of the best things that happened to me because it caused me to go inside. And I talked about really listening to that voice within. And I found myself going into an analytical mode, like a scientist, and I, I drew a circle and put a question mark and I asked, who am I? And then I drew another circle uh, and thought, you know, I think most of the time I and most people relate to family, so I put family there. Then I drew another circle outside that, said, and then we identify ourselves with our occupation. And then I drew another circle beyond that and wrote associations, clubs I belong to, organizations I belong to. But what happens if I lose membership in those organizations? What happens if I am fired or I'm laid off from my job? Do I cease to exist? No, obviously I don't. What happens if due to some tragedy I lose my family or I go through a divorce and lose my family? Do I cease to exist? No. There's something more fundamental. And as I looked at that, the answer came clear to me. I am someone who can never lose that identity. In my heart of hearts, I knew I would answer that. I'm a child of God. Amen. I cannot lose it. I cannot be laid off. I cannot be fired. I cannot Mm -hmm. be divorced. Mm -hmm. No tragedy can take me away from that identity. Amen. And that made me so positive, Tom. (laughs) It just transformed the way I looked at life. Yeah. And I went out and I interviewed for jobs within within a few weeks I had three job offers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because I don't think I don't think the those employers had ever experienced someone so positive, fired up and focused. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I say so often in life if you come sometimes you come across someone and, and I'll say after that person must be a Christian. They were so joyful and happy <laughs> and helpful and all these great. I think, wow, it almost radiates. And as you said, those those poor employers, they didn't have a chance. <laughs> they should have right. hired you on right. the spot. <laughs> right. Now, now, then I added to that, you know, the people who are happiest, who find fulfillment in their work, are those who are working in concert with their God-given abilities, with their talents and their unique gifts. For example, if you don't have any aptitude for math, but your father told you you need to be an accountant like your grandfather and I, (laughs) and you force yourself to go to school and get an accounting degree, you might be an okay accountant, but you will never become great and you will certainly never become fulfilled. Amen. Because that's not your design. Right. Now and you're so, kicking me where I live there, Dilip, because I took accounting because I thought, oh, arthritis, I'm going to have to work in the office, I'm not going to be able to do too much, so I better oh, do accounting. Well, and uh, pretty soon when I graduated, I thought, this is boring, I'm not an accountant, I'm a salesperson. <laughs> and so, yeah, you could uh, end up getting a goal, reaching a goal, and then, then you're like, I don't want that goal. That's not my God-given skill, talent, and ability. And then another example, my wife is a, 
uh, law clerk for family law and criminal law lawyer, and uh, through all kinds of friends of ours, she's helped various people with uh, mostly divorces, sometimes criminal things, sometimes things of family. And she says, well, I wish I had a ministry I could belong to or something. I said, sweetie, what you do for a living is a ministry. People are coming mm-hmm. to you for help and service, and you're saving them money, you're offering a helping hand, you're encouraging them, you're checking things for them. Um, that is using your skills and your talent. So I said, you created a ministry that doesn't have a name, but it's still a service. And when you're using those skills and talents, especially in helping other people, wow, you almost feel bad getting paid to do it. That's but you right. Do take the That's mo- exactly you do take right. the money, but you yep. feel bad because you're enjoying yep. it so much. Right. So this, the second quest, the second station is that is discover yourself and live a life that is in accordance with with who you are, not who other people tell you you should be, Mm -hmm. or not trying to meet expectations that are inconsistent with your identity. Mm -hmm. And, for example, I found that I would put in eight hours a day in a lab, mostly working by myself, and then I would... In the evening, I would change clothes and go to a Toastmasters meeting where I would speak in front of people. And I was absolutely energized. And, in fact, my energy level was so high by the time I came home, I usually didn't go to bed till about midnight because it was like I was on caffeine. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I often wondered, why do I get so energized in front of people? And then I realized that is part of my unique design. I find intense satisfaction in communicating and giving value to people. And whereas in my in my chemistry work, now by that by the time I finished, I had three U.S. patents, but that's not what gave me that juice. Mm. What gave me juice was feeling that I was using a skill and talent God had given me to make a positive difference in other people's lives. And eventually I moved away from science and went into a full-time speech coaching training and and professional speaking occupation, which which immediately gave me that sense of fulfillment. Wow, wow, wow. Dilip, can we go off course here and talk about how how would you help younger people? You have kids. How yes. would, like so many people that are Napoleon Hill fans especially, they say, man, I wish my, you know, I learned my definite purpose when I was younger, 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 and even I, I didn't figure, I didn't have my God-given definite purpose written down till I was in my 40s. Is there a way that you can help children, young people, teenagers, youth, get an idea at least so that they don't spend 10 years doing accounting when they should be a minister or a salesperson or whatever else their passion and purpose is. Yeah, believe me, Tom, I I had wished that too when I was <laughs> uh, because no one no one really took me by the hand and taught me those things and what you just said tells me that you know this is a common feeling with with many many people. Fortunately, there are ways to to find these things out. I reflected back in my life, and when I asked that question, that same question you asked me, weren't there any signs? Was there something that I could have 
I could have noticed and paid attention to. There were, I realized. For example, one of the questions I would ask young people is, what is that thing that really puts a sparkle in your eye, a song in your heart, a fire in your belly? What, what can you imagine doing that you would do even if it paid nothing, but there was just so much satisfaction doing it? Uh, for example, in, in my youth, when I was actually a, a young boy, I used to give stump speeches as, you know, fun, something fun to do, writing speeches, standing on a box and giving speeches. <laughs> okay? For me, that was a fun thing. <laughs> and fortunately, I found another little boy who enjoyed it, and the two of us used to give speeches to each other. When I was in high school, I was in my high school English debating team. Uh, when I entered college as a newly arrived foreign student from another culture and another country, uh, I immediately entered an oratorical contest because it was something fun for me. Not, not, not really realizing, you know, most people don't do that. But I ignored all those signs because I saw that as not being able to make a living. I had to do something. I was brought up in a culture where you always told, well, you've got to be serious. You've got to think of something that will help support a family. Mm. So... So and I enjoyed chemistry, so I went into chemistry thinking, you know, that's the more responsible thing to do. Yes, yes. But meanwhile, I took every communications course I could find to take because for me that was a fun course. All these were signs I was ignoring that, that they are fun for you because that's the way you are designed. Uh, but I ignored this. So I would ask people, tell me, what is that thing that puts a fire in your belly, a glint in your eye, a song in your heart? And then secondly, I would encourage young people to take these aptitude tests. At Central Penn College, where I'm strategic advisor to the president, we have a very strong career services department, and they invite students to take an aptitude test called the FOCUS, FOCUS test. It's actually five different tests. People, very easy to answer questions. There's no right or wrong, but then it is analyzed by software and it indicates where this person's aptitude and natural abilities lean towards, what kind of career would give them satisfaction. Mm. Uh, for example, Tom, there was one student who was failing in her chosen major, and instead of having her flunk out of college, the career services director invited her to his office and put her through this test, which showed that she had a strong aptitude towards something else. Uh, I believe it was law. Well, so she went from her sort of chosen major to this, this other major that he felt every test showed that she had an aptitude for. And sure enough, she went from a student who was about to flunk to a student who consistently got into the dean's list and graduated with honors. Hmm. Um, so we, I think we as adults, as parents or grandparents, aunts and uncles should encourage young people to not to take something because it's, that's what everyone in the family has done or that's what is expected, but to ask yourself, you know, how are you designed? And thank goodness we have so many different varieties of gifts. And try to live a life in accordance with that. 
now now we go to the third the third station and you had actually referred to this ahead of time uh, tom when you talked about this lawyer in canada canada i believe you said mm-hmm. went to cuba and saw the need yeah and suddenly she was transformed from someone who was doing something that made a lot of money but left her unhappy to someone who suddenly had a definite purpose that was making a difference so that third station is what i call self offering we go from humility to self discovery to self offering self offering is when you can achieve at very high levels but you suddenly realize that it feels empty mm-hmm. for example i have over 50 trophies and awards for public speaking okay but right now they are in the basement gathering dust not because i don't care for them but because they don't represent what i am about and i went through that level of high achievement to becoming someone who said what good am i making for what what difference am i making for others mm. how can my life be a positive influence for others and when you use your talents your gifts to make a positive difference for other people that's when i feel that that real sense of fulfillment comes in then you go from success to significance you go from saying it's all about me to it's all about them mm-hmm. and then if you are a person of faith you say it's not about me it's god's glory that i'm after mm-hmm. see it goes from inward to outward outward exactly um, and in aladdin's story tom you know the example is that aladdin had a third wish he could use to marry his princess his his beloved princess jasmine but he had made a promise to the genie that he would give the genie his freedom then then aladdin entered that crossroads he decided to live up to his promise and even deny himself in order to give the genie his freedom and of course the story unfolds magically so that aladdin does win the princess princess's hand princess's hand the genie is given his freedom because aladdin practiced self offering and all is well but sometimes all is not well sometimes we deny ourselves but yet the satisfaction is that in our self denial mm. we get an inner satisfaction that will never come any other way that we lived to our highest calling Amen. And when you get to heaven, you get the well done, good and faithful servant. And that may be the only time you ever hear about your self-offering and self-sacrifices when you get that greeting on the other side. And so uh, it doesn't always come back positive on this side. But on the other side, it's coming back positive. So definitely. Now, uh, two things here. First of all, there are going to be people listening who want and need to or want to move up in their corporate ranks in their business skills and they will want communication speech coach performance coach uh and 50 some trophies 22 years um if they want to go to someone who has that experience they'll want to find you and then there'll be other people that are like okay I'm not an executive I don't need that coaching but this book it, it, it can help people discover their true god-given 
purpose for being on this earth for this period of time in life. And that is more valuable than money. So those both types of people want to find you. And if they have to find you by spelling your last name, they're <laughs> going to be screwed. They're not going to get you. So luckily you were smart about that and you built a website that everybody could remember instead of trying to figure it out. That's right. Yes, my uh, thank you, Tom, for giving that opening. May I give my website address? Please. Okay. It's www.drdilip, and that's spelled D as in David, R as in Robert, and then my first name, D-I-L-I-P, drdilip.com. That's very simple, drdilip.com. But if you want to get my book also, you can uh, go to drdilip.com forward slash products, Mm -hmm. P-R-O-D-U-C-T-S, products.htm. It'll show you my book as well as uh, several other books I've written and DVDs and CDs. And also I want to give a plug for Tremendous Life Books. That's the new name given to Charlie Tremendous Jones's former bookstore. It's called Tremendous Life Books. They are my publisher and if you want to get my book from there, it's TremendousLifeBooks.org, O-R-G. And they have hard copy as well as ebook format yeah. available. I love Tremendous Life Books, and I've interviewed Tracy Jones twice. Uh, I buy a lot of her products. I've interviewed some of her authors. Uh, an amazing company. So TremendousLifeBooks.org, is it? Yes. Yeah, so a good one there. And then Dr. Dilip, that's way nicer than having to try and spell the last name. So D-R-D-I-L-I-P.com and a really nicely done website. There's a lot of good, even some video on there that I watched. It's very good. You can order the book from there as well. Um, So if you want help uh, advancing in your career as far as being more effective communicator or you want to discover and find and pursue your God-given purpose in life, uh, go to drdelip.com, and lots of good stuff there. I uh, admire websites because I build my own, and I was like, oh. this one is very good. So go to that one, drdelip.com, order the book, at least order the book. Order a bunch of them because you're going to know people that don't know their purpose in life either, so give them one as well. Thank you so much, uh, Dilip, I appreciate this uh, so much. I love the book. I was a little confused by the title, uh, wondering what I was getting into when I started reading it. But um, if I hadn't already known my God-given definite purpose, that book would have revealed it uh, to me. And that's the Thank you so much, Tom. I, I greatly appreciate being on your show. And I want to congratulate you. You are truly a role model for all people who want to face life with courage and wisdom, because you have done that. Amen. I'm looking forward to uh, hearing that you passed your divinity course okay. and see what you're doing, uh, continue to watch you, and uh, look forward to hopefully meeting you someday as well. Thank you, Tom. I hope so, and I will, I will be in touch with you offline to find what your mother did with a divinity degree. Amen. Have an amazing day. You too. Bye-bye.